Coming up on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the movies from the year 1981, many of which were not Raiders of the Lost Ark. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson, three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Well, hello, listener. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Magnificently Huge podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going all the way back to the year 1981. We're going to talk about the movies that came out that year, and uh, what they meant to us, and what they mean to you, and did they influence anything else? And are there any stinkers in the lot? You know, it's an overview. We've done this sort of thing in the past. It's a good way to kind of just get a general sense of where the culture was in a particular era. And 1981 was uh, definitely the year of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But there were like a hundred other movies that came out that year that uh, didn't have quite the impact. Uh, we're going to touch on all of that. Well, some of it. Well, okay, maybe like a dozen movies or so. But it's going to be a good cross-section of the year 1981, and uh, we think you're going to like it. So hopefully you'll enjoy the show and uh, give us your thoughts and jokes and feedback and, well, whatever the hell you want to send us. Uh, you can do that to magnificentlyhuge@gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We're open to any and all emails that we receive, and uh, we'll definitely respond in kind. Uh, you can also hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook, Magnificent Huge Podcast. We are on Instagram, the Magnificent Huge Podcast. And so uh, we ask that you just uh, go over there, like our pages, follow along, uh, send us fun notes and things in the comments, you know, share us around. Uh, we would appreciate that. We're all about building the show and getting more people involved. Uh, it's fun. It's a community, people. And, you know, that's our thing. You can also catch us wherever podcasts pervade. You're obviously listening to one right now, so you knew where to find it. But, uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever. Uh, we do ask that at some point, if you think about it and you're in there, uh, go ahead and give us the five-star rating. Give us a solid, glowing review, uh, and we will also respond in kind. We'll give you a nice shout-out, heads-up on the show, what have you. Uh, maybe even, I don't know, uh, come wash your car, uh, paint your house, I don't know, something. Definitely uh, a quid pro quo situation. Finally, you can reach out to us uh, via our website where all our links are. That's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. So, yeah, maghuge.com is where all our shows get posted. We've got archives, we've got links, all the fun stuff. So, without further ado, we're going to go to 1981 to talk about movies and stuff. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Magnificently Huge Show. Energy! It's, Energy! It's allergy season, and I am stopped up, so I expect to make lots of gross noises. Allergy! Allergy! allergy. <laughs> yeah, it's good times here. It's basically everything in the air right now, from uh, grass, trees, molds, spores, fungus. Oh, uh, yeah. It's good. It's scorpion season here. Are you? My wife just killed a mama with a bunch of babies on her back last night, oh, so that's fun. I hate those I'm things. And then, like, you do... <laughs> when you do the the black light yes. in the backyard and then they glow at night, oh, uh -huh. it's freaky. 
Oh, I hate those things. Hate them. Yeah. That's what I love about them, though, is that they they are particularly vulnerable to black light and scorpion spray kills them pretty much instantly. Yeah. So that's as but, as nasty as they are. There's a solid defense. Yeah. If you, if you've never lived in Arizona, you don't know the charm of getting up at one or two in the morning to take a leak and turning on the light. And there's one right there in the middle of the room, like Beetlejuice as a beetle going, hi, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. If, if you've ever seen the uh, the recent remake of Clash of the Titans, uh, that's what they look like. Those scorpions <laughs> much. suck. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been stung by one? No. I have never been I stung by one. Really? either. Uh, I went about 15 years or so living there before I got stung on the tip of my toe, and it was like burning fire in my foot for about six hours. I do not recommend it, and uh, I hate all scorpions because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they need to die. All the scorpions need to die. Scorpions need to die. Not the rock band, though. We've already established that. Yeah, yeah. and they all act (laughs) like New York pigeons. Like, they're all mildly annoyed at you. Yeah. They don't run it's, away. Yeah. They don't they don't have the decency to worry about being killed. No, they just wait for you to step on them in the middle yeah. of the night. <laughs> Fuckers <laughs> hate those things. Well, all right. So allergy season, everybody doing well with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Sure. That's amazing. Huh? Any other uh fun tidbits uh on your day? We should do the names. The names. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm yeah. Eric. Uh, that I'm over Brian. there is Brian, and that <laughs> this, over there is Chris. Uh, this and is Chris. together, we're Eric and Brian and Chris. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're <laughs> magnificently so, huge. So the much theme. energy today. So yeah. much energy today. I kind of feel responsible, because it's like, if I come in going, woo, then the whole thing seems to have energy, and if I come in with allergies wow. and a stopped up nose, then it, you know... Wow, get a load yeah, of this Eric. guy, Brian, thinking he's the... Way to ruin the, the podcast, Eric. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I set Eric. the tempo. Thinking he's I the set center the tempo, of the fucking universe. You guys universe. bring the funny. That's the way it always happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about you, Butch. You're always thinking. <laughs> uh, the actual goal of this podcast is to just get Eric to do that hysterical laughing he does at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, that that walked up pissing myself laughing. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Uh, and today uh, we'll have the, of this podcast. the bonus of That's Benadryl. That's what keeps me from ending it all, is the possibility <laughs> that I might laugh like that. Well, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no pressure. No pressure. Oh, I don't feel any with the ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, today is a, a, a good topic. This is, uh, we're, we're going back to the 80s treasure trove for another year. Uh, I think we threw a dart at the board and came up with 1981, correct? Yeah. Okay. And you discovered we threw a that dart there at the board and somehow gems. came up with Chris's favorite movie. <laughs> wow, what a dart. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting year uh, to revisit. We were all 10, so this has kind of been a, a nice stroll down memory lane, refreshing on it. So I'm looking forward to it, honestly. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I think it's funny. Most of the films I did not discover in 1981 because I was too young to go to movies. Exactly. But there were a few in here that we'll go over that uh, that I did catch in the theater, and I was surprised at how many there were. Yeah. So it's a good nostalgia trip. I'm looking forward uh, to it. Yeah. Before we do that, do you, anybody want to get into the stuff they've been watching recently? It's for the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. It is fresh. 
Brian, we never doubt that you'll have fresh shit. Uh, you are the yeah. glue of you the fresh shit segment. I am just <laughs> full of shit. You are full of you're saying. You're full it's, of fresh shit. But every you live week. a life. Yes. That's the thing that makes it so great. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I yeah. like sort of sit in a chair and look at the wall. Yeah, and listen to other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Brian, you sound like you're chomping at the bit, so I think we should lead sure, off with why you. Not? So. Um, this week, my fresh shit is a double feature. Um, we'll start with um, Late Night, a new quote-unquote comedy um, <laughs> yeah. from Mindy Kaling. That was exactly uh, my thoughts when I saw the, tr- the trailer, yeah. <laughs> quote-unquote comedy, yeah. Yes. Uh, Mindy Kaling, Kaling, how do you pronounce her last name? I don't know. I say Kaling. Uh, yeah, the girl sure. from The Office. Oh my yeah, god, the girl that the is what they should, she should remake that girl. <laughs> there you go. Let's uh, let's submit that I mean, in writing. She kind of did with this movie. So, um, also starring Emma Thompson, mm-hmm. who is excellent, by the way. Emma Thompson is the reason to see this movie. And hey, she's even good um, in Dead Again. So, she's got uh, acting chops, Emma Thompson. She does. Uh, so Mindy Kaling is has written this movie for herself and has done the thing that first time people in that position can can fail at, which is she has made her character too perfect. Like her character doesn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> um, That's in a, a movie full of flawed characters, yeah. right? It, the, every other character has flaws, but not her, and that just. That's distracting. Yeah, at least Amy Schumer had the sense to make her movie about a fuck-up and called it Trainwreck. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't have to make your character an irredeemable piece of shit, but at (laughs) least make them human. Yeah. Right? Okay. That would... Being human is being an irredeemable piece of well, shit, I submit. Yeah, as but. I said it, I realized you were right. Uh, yeah, that's that's the Eric's worldview in a nutshell right there. Bam. <laughs> Happy days. So... The the premise of the movie is Mindy Kaling uh, works in a chemical fa- plant and uh, gets a job writing for a late night show that happens to be called Tonight, which is also distracting because, of course, the Tonight Show is a thing. So um, so how does she get this job? Was it like just random? She's working in a chemical factory, and then boom, hey, you're hired. That doesn't make any sense. She, no, she... According to the previews, she's a real cut-up on the intercom at the chemical okay. factory. Gotcha. Um, that, there is, okay, so first of all, the preview <laughs> is the entire movie, Eric, so you actually have seen it. <laughs> no. Um, Yay! The, uh, she enters an essay contest and basically gets the attention of a person who owns the company that owns the company that owns the network, and that's how she gets her foot in the door, and that's one of the first of many... Um, Many, way too many half-baked ideas this movie has where she gets the job over a nepotism hire because she's an affirmative action hire. Oh. And, like, this movie just doesn't know what it's about. Is it about Me Too? Is it about uh, women getting older in the spotlight? Is it about um, gentrification? Is it about male privilege? Is it about white privilege? Is it about it's about all of these things and about none of them because it doesn't take any of them any deeper than the surface level. It's very frustrating. That's something that really bugs me now that you say that the the idea that the conflict is between a uh, uh, how did you put it a nepotism hire and a 
diversity uh, hire. And a, a diversity affirmative hire. action hire. The, and, the, and, no, and, that's and not the conflict. When, that's that's when, the conflict for when, 10 when, seconds. When, But, I mean, <laughs> the idea that there's like 100 or 200 actually talented writers that they could have hired in this scenario, and yet it comes down to two unqualified people, and, you know. Right. It's like, like a libertarian bizarre nightmare. That someone with no writing experience ends up getting a writing job on a but late night talk show. we've already established that she was a cut up on the intercom at work. Yeah. No, she was a woman, you see, and and they needed to hire a woman okay. uh, because reasons. So seriously, if you've seen the trailer, you know every major beat of this movie. Well, let me ask um, you this: Would it have been better, say, if they'd have pulled a Victor Victoria, where she was a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman who's a cut up on the intercom at work? Maybe and if she had tired. also written maybe. a couple of jokes for the last MTV <laughs> Music Awards, you know, something with like some experience, maybe. Okay. But, okay. Okay. So Eric's uh, Eric's writing degree is showing its face here. <laughs> Eric's failed writing <laughs> career is showing its face here. Everyone's a failed writer. Let's be real. Uh. So yeah, basically, the the bottom line is that everything involving Mindy Kaling is kind of irritating, but everything involving Emma Thompson is a better movie. Um, okay. And her husband is played by John Lithgow, who is going through Parkinson's disease. Oh, and, that's hilarious. Damn it. <laughs> curse on you, Bonsai. Yeah. Curse funny, on you, Bonsai. Yeah. That Lithgow, he can play anything. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't really have a lot more to say about this movie because it doesn't have anything to say for itself. I guess we got to find out if Emma Thompson can put that to the test with MIB International, huh? Maybe. Well, wouldn't you know, that's my double feature. Oh, MIB oh, International. It's an Emma Dufer. Wow, what a segue. It's an Emma Thompson double feature. You did it. Nice. Yes. Give me my segue. <laughs> One wheel, two wheel segue. Yeah. Man, Eric, it's like you have a writing degree or something. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of diversification and, uh, you know, quotas, uh, here we have the men and women in black, right? Yeah. Um... Okay, this what's there to say about MIB International? It's first of uh, all, it's it's, it's, it's a got side cool, right? Valkyrie. Yeah. It it does have those two actors in it. And it's a um, and it's a sequel. It's not a sequel, right? It's sort of I mean, it is a sequel. Okay. Um, there's a direct reference at least in in the set design. Uh, there's a painting of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith dealing with the bug from the first movie on a wall of like great achievements in MIB history or whatever. Okay. okay. Um, so, I mean, it is, it is, and the, the dog shows up and the, like the, the worm dudes in the office show up. There's, there's plenty of callbacks, but it's, so really it is, it in fact, surely to the original happy days, right? Yes. It's a spinoff. I think that's a better, yeah, not so much a cycle. It's a, it's a spinoff. Um, it's about men in black three level. It's a Men in Black movie. It's better than Men in Black 2. It's not it just, as good as Men in Black 1. I, I saw the trailer and I thought, you know, it, it, it'll it be all right on cable, but it it basically is like every sitcom that got a little long in the tooth and they decided, hey, let's shake things up and go to Europe. Uh, that's the feeling this one <laughs> And has. now they're off to England. <laughs> yeah, this time they're off to England. Now they're going to England. Um, You know, I had high hopes for this. The trailer, I thought, okay you know what, this could really work, and these two stars have great chemistry, and they've got, oh man, am I really not going to say his name? Uh, the, the guy from Silicon Valley, Camille uh, Nanjimi. Oh, Kamal Ari. 
Kumal. I don't know. Kumal Nanjiani. Yeah. Yeah, he plays he plays uh, a CG character. Uh, who, is that the one? Who is I I kneel before you and pledge you my eternal loyalty. Yeah. Okay. So basically, he's actually a pawn. He's a uh, from a race of of beings that are basically chessboard pieces, and uh, his queen dies, and so he makes M. Uh, whatever her name is. Good God. I don't remember anybody's name all of a sudden. Tessa... Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Okay. Makes Tessa Thompson his new queen. He's basically being the character from Silicon Valley where he's just there to to rag on Chris Hemsworth all the time, <laughs> and that's really great. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's a bunch of mediocre stuff going on. It's, a, you know, as popcorn movies go, it's better than a lot of stuff this dismal summer. Um... I had gone in, I'd seen the Rotten Tomatoes scores were like in the like doghouse, like 20s, 30s. Yeah. And I was so I had gone in so expecting much more from my derivative sci fi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Well, that's the thing. I went in expecting very little from my derivative sci fi and came out entertained. Yeah. yeah. So you just got to go in expecting junk exactly. and you're good. Yeah. Pay that $15 for your ticket to be mildly entertained. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> That's what I say. And air condition. That's what and the dollar theaters yeah. are for. Well, I feel uh, like it would be something to watch, but I'm not going to. I follow on Twitter Ed Solomon, who's the screenwriter, did like Bill and Ted's, but he was also one of the screenwriters right. on the original Men in Black. And that thing made just a shit ton of money, but he is still getting invoices 20 years later from the studio where it's in the red is apparently they they claim that they still haven't made any money on that thing so he's just getting shafted hollywood yeah because of all of like the the weird distribution deals and production deals and this and that and so every sliver is will smith that's why so he's been complaining about it a lot lately on the twitter and it's kind of interesting to read about good for him this new ones yeah so yeah I will say this: they they bring the sort of Star Wars cantina vibe that all the Men in Black movies. You know, that's the big thing Men in Black is is why it's trying to be the Star Wars cantina in every scene. Yeah. Except that they kind of stop doing it, so it's the cantina until it isn't. Um, <laughs> that's the best but, best blurb ever. Men in Black International. It's the Star Wars cantina scene until it isn't. Pretty much. Brian and Kruger, Arizona the, Republic. Uh, the lack of Will Smith is is notable. I mean, they got some very charismatic people to step in, but they there is no Will Smith. Yeah, it like it's just like when Hemsworth was in that Ghostbusters reboot. It's sort of he's affable, oh, yeah, but at the same time, right. he seems just like uh, they shoehorned him in a little bit just for a laugh, and I just I didn't buy it. So yeah, he's basically hunk- playing Thor. Yeah. Well, he's he's always like the hunky bimbo guy, isn't he? I mean, if he's yeah. not Thor, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Well, he's uh, just an arrogant prick in this movie. He's like super arrogant, and they, you know, Thor. They actually use that to to do some audience manipulation. But I believe that's how Thor starts. Yeah, he's playing <laughs> Thor. He's in. He's just. He's exactly that. He's like super charming and arrogant. So and so by Men in Thor. Black International Four, he's going to be in a fat suit. Is that the, the yes, prediction? Okay, that's, that's what we're saying. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so was it entertaining? You said it was mildly entertaining, amusing. I say if you liked Men in Black 3, it's about that level. Okay. I didn't think he, I even saw Men in Black 3. Uh, that was the one where Time- uh, Thanos played Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Oh, 
That was that was he, one that certainly interested me because I thought his Tommy Lee Jones impression was spot on. It was spot it on. Was. Yeah, it was spot on. And I think you probably learned it from when they were in No Country for Old Men together. Even though I don't think they have any scenes together, but that's watching Men in Black Three. That was pretty much the vibe I got. I kept waiting for Sugar to show up and just cap somebody with an air gun, <laughs> but it never happened. <laughs> So yeah, given given the state of the multiplex this summer, uh, of all of the bad blockbusters that are showing, um, Men in Black Three is the only one in the last several weeks that that I wanted to see enough to see, and I got out of there without hating it. Okay, so so compared to John Wick Three, how would you rate it? Oh no, John Wick Three is way better. Okay, okay. Um, Phew. Summer yeah. kind of ended with John Wick Three, and it's all been downhill from <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, all uh, we have to look forward to now is that fucking Lion King thing, right? He yeah. stabbed it yeah. in the heart with a pencil. <laughs> Does this? Uh, well, at least you got air movie season with a pencil. <laughs> There's yet another trailer for yet another movie about like what a dog is thinking. Like, yeah, what's I the deal? There, there's been like three of these this year, and make it stop. Yeah, <laughs> this one is voiced by Kevin Costner. I guarantee you, every dog is thinking this. That's it. Food. So, oh food. no, they also are like, love, hey, love, can I have love, a treat? Love, 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 food. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. It's the, yeah, the dog and up is pretty much nails it. Squirrel. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, f these uh. movies. <laughs> Well, we got, I'm sorry. Right, we got to make one. Something. Let's make one voiced by Tracy Jordan and call it "Lick Dem Balls." <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> that would be awesome. Get on it, Hollywood. Get on it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure these movies get written by people who are going. I don't know anymore. I don't oh, know. I don't, don't know. And they look at their dog and they go, "What about you?" Yeah. They're not written by people. They practically write themselves, Eric. Come on. That's why the MIB guy doesn't get any money, because the producer's like, oh, whatever. I've written it. This is, this is the future of AI. We're doing machine learning to write movies about what dogs think. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all we're going to get yeah. in the future. It's the roof what, a, what a fucking yeah. loser. To be, not be. See, I could do that. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that it was so lackluster this week for you, Brian. Uh I hope that your next week will be better. Yeah, we'll I mean see. that sincerely. I, yeah, I would say, though, if you want to uh, redeem your summer, pin your hopes on something higher than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. both of those, I could tell out of the gate, I wanted nothing to do with. But, you know. <laughs> I'm Eric, and I'm better than everybody. I read. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go see Toy Story 4. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to read the novelization of Toy Story 4. <laughs> so uh all right what else we got yeah what do you got eric can you can you do better than brian i don't know about that but i did last night watch uh uh dark mirror and it's the episode uh uh, uh, oh god was it striking vipers have you guys wa- started watching? I haven't. Mm-mm. I haven't watched the next. There's three new episodes, right. and one of them has Miley Cyrus, and I don't know which one Striking Vipers is. Uh, Striking Vipers is the one with insert actor name here, who plays a uh, 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 Falcon in the the. So the, not editing that. The 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 <laughs> Marvel uh, cinematic 
you know, anyway so um oh oh uh, the actor from the marvel movies got it yeah that guy falcon i said falcon okay anthony oh. mackie yeah okay okay um yeah so uh, i i uh, it's one of those things okay yeah no i can sum- summarize this without fucking it up the i'll say the tech piece of technology we're investigating in this episode is uh, uh virtual reality video games um, okay and uh, uh, it, it, it's one of the better episodes because you totally don't see where it's going. That's the thing. I kept trying to like pre, oh, this is definitely going to be about this. And then it wasn't, oh, oh, then it's definitely about this. Nope. It's about this motherfucker. And you go, whoa, whoa, ooh. Yeah, it's just such a wild, surprising goose. That's why I think it's as good, if not better than the original Twilight Zone, because those also... Now we look at them knowing what the the surprise is, and we're not surprised. Right. Yeah. But first time you watch yeah, it and you go, oh my, you know, holy crap. It's, I don't know. Yeah, Black Mirror is the modern Twilight Zone. I have, I, I know there is a modern Twilight Zone with uh, Jordan Peele on the CBS All Access, but I haven't bothered with it because... I'm. I still am not even up. To, I haven't watched these next three episodes of Black Mirror. Does Charlie Brooker still have it? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, I started Sweet. the Miley Cyrus one, and I was like, I I didn't get far enough into it to, you know, to really get jazzed. But yeah, he's 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 a fantastic writer for television. Yeah, I've been I've been really worried once Netflix picked them up that he was going to run out of steam. Uh huh. Um, I, th- I think that's also why so we far, only get him in dribs and drabs because he, yeah. you know, he's not going to say he's not going to commit to like a thirteen episode season every year. Well, aren't then they? Yeah, he'll well, fucking die. Three episodes in Bandersnatch. That's all we got this time. Yeah, yeah. and that's well, great. I'm gonna uh, be honest. I've never seen a Black Mirror yet. I just have never pulled the oh, trigger. Shit. So I am totally outside the water cooler conversation on any of it. I understand that okay. they're really yeah. trippy and make you hate everything. Um, I'm not going to say you got to watch these. I'm just going to say eventually you're going to, and you're going to like it. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll point you towards one specific episode. Go to season one, episode two. It's like called five million credits or something like that. Okay. Um, Eh. Watch that one episode. If you like that, then (laughs) I think you're okay. Didn't they do one that was good for uh, Star Trek fandom? Yes, they did. Okay. Okay. That's also a fun one. But yeah. I, I would actually say, if you really want to get the show, watch season one, episode one, a.k.a. the Pig Fuckers uh, show. Yeah. That, I, the the <laughs> okay. one on points, I, I, I think is okay, but the one on points is also kind of like a, a Doctor Who episode without Doctor Who. Okay. Intriguing. But, yeah, okay. I, I can see your point there. I just, I don't know, to me, I thought that that one was more thematically consistent with the rest of the show. Um, that one, the problem I have with it is it's almost completely straight metaphor. And I was like, mm. yeah, if there's no sense of reality, oh, the ones that have a greater sense of reality, like, um, uh, Richie Cunningham's daughter and the, the social point score. Yeah. I know, one, I know the actress has good, a name, the, but the complete history of you one with Haley Atwell or, or no Haley Atwell and General Hux were in one. Yeah, complete history review. That one was fucked up. Yeah, I know that actress has a name, but I refuse to use it, and she's Richie Cunningham's daughter. And her oh, name is yeah. Bryce. Well, that... No, her yeah, name no, is she's she's Elton John's mom. Daughter. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else you got? Uh, I gotta, I gotta uh, pull my punches since we're recording two today. So, oh, okay. the secret's out behind yeah. the scenes. Sneak peek. <laughs> yeah. we're, well, they're we're gonna hoarding. know when my nose is still stuffy. It's like a week later. Uh, uh, no, it's not allergies. It's cancer. Uh, you know, this is my last show. Yeah, yeah. Or it's just all the cocaine. <laughs> Either way, That's why next week's fresh shit will be slightly less fresh. We're recording two episodes back to back. Well, cat's out of the bag now. Damn it! Because uh, yeah, we don't so, edit. So that's it for you then, Black Mirror. Yeah, uh, vi- viper thingy. Yeah, let's keep it? it short, keep it clean, keep it fresh. Okay. Uh well, cool. Well, I have a Chris, music. Can you do any of those things? Can you can you keep it short, clean, or fresh? Uh none of those things. Okay. And all of those things. It's it's a long, conundrum. dirty, stale. <laughs> Mine's a music fresh is this week, although it's old all fresh right. is. It's not new, uh, but I dusted off. My copy of the 1979 Sparks album, number one song in heaven. And gave it a listen. Yeah, and uh, because it's entirely produced by friend of the show, Giorgio Moroder, and it is peak Moroder, and... Uh, I got totally sucked in and just I've been listening to it all week uh, the three standout tracks because it's not a long album there's like six or eight songs or something uh, but it's the lead off track is tryouts for the human race and that's about as marauder as you get and it's fucking amazing and then beat the clock is good and then number one song in heaven is kind of this weird eight-minute opus that just goes all over the place, but it's fun. But the Mail Brothers, Ron and Russell, uh, are just such oddball chameleons of music that every album is something a little bit different. And, and that's why they this, could never be successful, because yeah. they were too brilliant like at a single concept and then ending it and going on to the next one. There was yeah. no traction. But, yeah. oh my God, I listened, I, Brian will know what album it is, but I listened to the album uh, on a driving trip with my wife that has the track Dicking Around, and I was like, this is awesome. Oh, yes. And this <laughs> is not classic uh, Sparks either. Yeah, Hello Young Lovers is the name of the album. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Dick yeah. Around is amazing. It's yes. great. Why the hell, why the hell, why the hell, why the hell, why the hell did she desert you when you were so influential? Why the hell, why the hell, why the hell, why the hell? She deserts you when you told her she was so essential Pull yourself up off the ground You started liking being down The persecution feels cool As hell will feel if God chose But what about that other life Cause this is more an afterlife So you see you each night and day You're never gonna break away Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me No way great from now on What you do is strictly not essential Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me No way great from now on No one wonders if you've got potential All I do is stick around The sun goes up and the river's out And he's like, the knees around yeah, their whole catalog is, is incredible. And they they just I think they're one of those unsung influential bands. Like everybody from that sort of era that uh decided to yeah. form a band probably listened to Sparks at some point and went, Oh, okay, let's try something like this and then kind of moved on. But because they do so many weird different stylistic choices from album to album, it's hard to pin them down. But I would guarantee that most musicians from that era starting out 
probably had listened to Sparks at some point and went, yeah, let's do this. I'll bet everyone at some point you are going to hear Sparks when one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies has an enormous <laughs> monster like fighting How have them they to not done that? eaten by the monster of love. Eaten by the monster Don't of love. Get or get me. Or I predict would be a good one too. Because that's yeah. just so that was kind of their <laughs> heyday, right? It yeah. was it was um three uh, three album run there of Womp That Sucker, um oh gosh, why can't Angst in My Pants and uh, In Outer Space. Yeah. Right? But number one in heaven was kind of the transition from their 70s days where they were working with the same producer who did Queen and yeah. it shows, yeah. right, in the way they layered the vocals <laughs> um, to that, where they started to, Marauder brought the synths and really, yeah. I think, gave a new lease on life in Europe. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, I that t- took me down a Marauder rabbit hole for the week as well. Uh, so like, I don't know if, if you ever want to drive yourself half mad, just listen to nothing but Giorgio Marauder music for a week. And, uh, but it, it struck me. It's like, uh, Marauder was big into the, like the scores for movies back in that era, like late seventies, early eighties, like him and Vangelis were pretty much the two. Uh, top tier, but you can totally see the Jan Hammer of their day. Yeah, it was yes. like the Jan Hammer and the uh, who's the other guy that does uh, Axel Foley music? That, um, uh, oh, Harold Faltermeyer. Harold Falter, yeah, they oh, were like wow. the Harold Faltermeyer and <laughs> Jan Hammer of the day. So it's yeah. it's fun to kind of compare. Van Gillis would do the scores for the movies where you wanted your date to think you were smart, and Georgie Maroder would do the ones where you wanted to get laid. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I think of it. Because the exactly. Vangelis ones are very heady, and the the Marauder ones are very in the crotch. <laughs> it's it's a crotch rock for the synth crowd, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So anybody out there listening, if you uh, have not tried Sparks, uh, definitely go get some and listen yeah. to it and get back to us because uh, they're phenomenal. That would not hey, enough. That's credit. an idea for a future show. Just 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 a thought. Like just the, the sparks. No, well, no, 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 no. Like, I kind of want to now. Uh, 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 a guide to how to get into a band you haven't listened to yet. Like, if we were to tell people you want to listen to Sparks, start with this, then go to this, then go to this. Like, if I met somebody who was uh, a new timer to Bowie, I would say, okay, start with you know. Uh, don't even, don't even scene. do it. This is a show. How to get yeah. into Bowie is a show. Okay, <laughs> all right. New series coming yeah. soon to the magnificently yeah. huge podcast. Band, uh, how to, how to get into a band and go deep down the band hole. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. The band hole, a band yeah. hole primer. Yeah. And a little sub segment of our show that we are now going to call put a pin in it. Wait a second. What's that behind your ear? Is that a, <laughs> yes, it is. It's a pin. Let's do this. Let's take the pin and put it in this conversation. Boop. So yeah, that's all I got this week is, uh, sparks. Yay! So that's our freshes. Uh, now let's talk about some really super stale stuff. And let's uh, set the Wayback Machine for the year 1981. The same year, like the year after the Sparks before album. Before your mother was born. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You were not even a sparkle in your dad's eye. You were just oh. jangling around in his balls when all. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, 1981, I I pulled it out of the hat to see if you guys wanted to do another one because, well, honestly, because of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the biggest movie of that year. And I love it so much and I can't get enough and I really should let it go, but I can't. It's just a fun movie for me. I would have switched, except that when I looked at the Wikipedia page for this year in film, it's got some of my favorite and awful films in it. I I don't even think of Raiders. I I did see it in the theater. I was a kid. I did think, wow, this is almost as good as Star Wars. But I'm really more enthralled with Mommy Dearest and Heaven's Gate. (laughs) Yeah, Two films we've discussed at length in the past. Yeah. And it's it's a weird year for just the types of films that are on the slate. Uh, like studios would just do anything really back in 1981, apparently, and uh, they weren't tied to all of this bullshit we get now, where it's basically just the same movie with a different actor kind of deal. There was uh, a period where studios would put out like 12 to 15 movies a year during this period. Yeah. And they didn't have high budgets, but there were a lot of them. So if one of them yeah. failed, it wouldn't tank the whole studio. And yeah, so I, all I they think, needed, yeah, they're willing to experiment. Yeah, all they needed was one that made enough money, and then the rest were, you know, gravy, I guess. Right. But what also struck me looking at the list uh, was also just the ridiculous amount of genre fare that's like sci-fi, horror, fantasy, like all in one year, which I I was just sort of gobsmacked by that because it's, you know, like Raiders has it, but then you get Superman 2, Clash of the Titans, Excalibur, The Howling, American Werewolf in London, uh, Scanners, Dragon Slayer, uh, Omen Escape 3, from New York. Escape from New York. Uh, I think Heavy Metal came out this year. Um, and then technically Road Warrior came out in Australia, and we didn't get in the States until the next year in 82, but yeah. I count it. So it's just this ridiculous genre year that kind of blew my mind when i was looking at the list uh and i don't know if that's because D D was sort of at the height of its popularity and they just said yeah let's see if we can cash in on this kind of thing it was D D. it was star wars i think yeah. a bit so it was it was in the culture so it was kind of uh, interesting to see because you're not going to rise of it, it was also <laughs> arcades and video games were yeah. kind of a big thing you know in 81 you know yeah. pac-man was 1980 um and we were seeing, you know, I think Galaxian was 81, so we were kind of in that early 80s arcade heyday. Yeah. So it makes it makes sense, I guess. Uh, so there's a lot of ones in there. <laughs> and But the thing that struck me also was how many of these are just Stone Cold classics now, but how many of them I didn't see until much later, thanks to VHS. Uh, was it VHS or was it cable? Because when I read this list, I'm like, oh, cable. this is all the shit that was on cable at people's yeah. houses. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I didn't really have cable in the 80s. So, yeah, for me, a lot of it was No, just, Eric had cable. We yeah. went to his house. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, so, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but if I may, I just want to lead off with just the top 10, because that's usually what we do with these year in movies things. Uh, and then roll from there. And you can tell me how many you've seen. Uh, so, starting at number 10 was Time Bandits. Which, classic. Which, which I saw, yeah, a shit ton of times in the theater. Uh, at the, it came in at number 10, it made in $1981, is like $42 million, which is like probably close to $90 million now, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, 
Number nine was The Four Seasons, which was an Alan Alda, Carol Burnett, like, I don't know, dramedy. Dude, my parents loved that. My parents loved that movie. It's a, it's a parents movie. It's yeah, definitely not yeah. one that we'd ever watch, but it was, you know, Alan Alda at the height of his MASH fame, cashing yeah. in on some... Three, uh, three married couples that always vacation together, and then yeah. one of the couples divorces, and he remarries someone else, and... Yawn. It's, it's like Bob yeah, and Carol and really. Ted and Alice, yeah. but... Basically. Without all the sex, but yeah. with wine and cheese, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Emphasis on the cheese. Uh, <laughs> oh, boom! Uh. And then at number eight was uh, one of my least favorite Bond movies for your eyes only. Uh, okay, Rock- I don't know if I can say I've seen this movie because I don't think that I've ever actually stayed awake for a viewing of For Your Eyes Only from beginning to end. Really? But I think I've seen the whole movie. It's. It basically because if you piece it together, I yeah. saw it in the theater twice. It's uh, I think this it's is also the a- strongest spy story. I I, yeah. I do like this Bond film more than most. Uh, <sighs> it's hard not, just not because the, the reason because when he's scaling up that that weird thing, he has to use his shoelace to you know reacquire the <laughs> rope and all that. Yeah, it's like yeah. this is exactly what the books it's- were like. Well, it's basically it's it's like if they just decided to do a James Bond movie over the Iger sanction because you got to scale the cliff to get to the fortress to have the big yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but I will say it's got one of the strongest theme songs that Bond ever came out. It did have a strong theme sh- song, but it also had the lamest use of "Don't call him Blofeld." Uh, yeah, possible. that's well, and that's that one reason funny. that I do not rank it is because yeah. they copped out because they had lost the rights to Blofeld by this time, yeah. so they didn't even call him Blofeld, but they said, "Hey, we'll just pick him up in a helicopter and dump him into a chimney." The, the whole <laughs> I mean, point like, of that scene was to say to the that that other guy who owned the rights, "Go fuck yourself. You can have the yeah. rights to this guy. He's done." I I thought that was hilarious. I also like Uh, that the opening car chase, the Bond like spy car is instantly destroyed and he has to outrun the bad guys in a two crank Citroen. Yeah. Those, those, those crapster little French cars. I, I, it's awesome. It's all right. So, you know, it's got highs and lows, but it's not one of my favorites just because it, it doesn't age for me. Well, especially because of the Marvin Hamlish more. I'd say it's probably uh, my favorite Roger Moore, that okay. octopusy. Okay. I, I gotta stick with the spy who loved me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, Roger Moore. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. go with Brian on that one. Mm. But what gets me on this is that they uh it's John Barry no longer doing the music, so it's Marvin Hamlish doing the disco bond bullshit. Oh, hello, listener. Uh Nigel Sinjin Fudge Bottom Smythe here from the Magnificently Huge Standards and Practices Department. Uh just wanted to pop in really quick here and say that Chris is in point of fact. Wrong. Marvin Hamlish did not do the shitty disco music for For Your Eyes Only. He wrote the shitty disco music in The Spy Who Loved Me. For Your Eyes Only had shitty disco music written by Academy Award winning composer Bill Conti. We hope this clears up the confusion and would like to express our deep regret for Chris being such a fucking asshole. We'd like to return you now to the podcast. Thank you for listening. And that irritates me. So, <laughs> see now you're selling it again. Now yeah. I want to see it again. Oh, uh, you, and you need to watch the, it at least once. 
there's the great scene when the bad guy like is chasing him in the car or he's chasing him i can't remember but the car ends up sliding so it's halfway on the edge of the cliff and it it could tip and bond just walks up puts his foot on the door and kicks it over that's a straight up murder i mean that i think that was the first (laughs) time bond just without a quip said you're gonna fucking die yeah well you know uh well the only other interesting thing to note is the bad guy is played by julian glover who was also the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and he was the ADAT commander on Hoth in and Empire the bad guy in Gremlins too, right? So no, that's a that's a different Glover. That's oh, a different and Glover. He, he did yeah. the Western Foresight uh, uh, commercials in the eighties. If you're in yeah. the Southwest, <laughs> so there you go. So it's uh, it was a Bond year. It's not the best Bond, but it's a Bond, and we'll take what we can get. I guess I. I I will I will fly my flag for for your eyes. Only. Okay. Also, uh, only only Bond girl that uh, was born a man. I still cry bullshit on that, but we can get into it another Ooh. time. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. Number uh, seven. Number seven. Yeah, number seven was the Academy Award winner. <laughs> the Academy Award winner for that year, Chariots oh, no. of Fire. Speaking oh. of Vangelis, Vangelis, uh, the most, fucking probably the most well known Vangelis composition yeah. of all. That Kevin is Costner. the song, yeah, that is the song that makes sure that everybody knows the movie. Because, is the movie memorable? No. It's no, about a bunch of bunch of British guys in the 20s. You're about to, to signal a bad comedy bit where you're going to yeah. start running on a beach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they copped it the a year. The entire movie, as far as I'm aware, is pasty white dudes in their underwear running on a beach. That's- yeah. There's nothing and then, else. And Ben Cross before he was in Hurricane Heist uh, doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get, I get, I get uh, this confused with another movie from 81, Gallipoli, and, and the last shot of Gallipoli where the guy is running and gets shot, dun, and dun, dun, I just dun, picture dun, the guys on the dun, beach and chariots of fire running along, yeah. and then they get yeah. shot, and then the freeze frame, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So basically yeah. it won Best Picture, but uh, it's like most Best Picture winners, is not very memorable. I think it just exactly. ran that prestige yeah. ticket and uh, captured the it's, Academy. So Yeah, maybe. I don't. Re- I personally don't recommend it. I do recommend Gallipoli. Yeah. Gallipoli's good. Yeah. Despite Mel Gibson. No, uh, Mel Gibson is, is, is great <laughs> in it. I don't think he was quite uh, anti-Semitic yet. I'm not sure. Yeah. Not, maybe. He was still cute. Uh, it was 1981. People were... were yeah. were less it was uh, different well <laughs> actually it was closer to the war and well, semitic's like the one thing you couldn't do <laughs> never mind i don't know what i'm saying yeah. well Let's speaking of me. speaking of at number six uh cannonball run with bill murray oh. no not at bill murray uh burt reynolds yes <laughs> and tom deluise oh my and, god and roger moore's <laughs> in this one as well but that's uh it's uh, is this the one where uh clinger from mash yeah. plays the sheik who puts on the yes. road race okay and then i think uh Jackie Chan is in it as the the Japanese race car driver, even though he's Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is the one cetera, before they. It, it, this is not the awful one with Frank Sinatra and yeah. Uh, well, but you know, you know who wait, is there in was this? a not awful Cannonball Run. <laughs> this is it, buddy. This is genius. It. It's yeah, but but all of these things are just sort of set pieces to the main reason uh, to see this movie. Adrian Barbeau. Breasticles are in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then the, uh, I can't remember the blonde woman's name, but she was also a pinup girl at the time. Uh, But yeah, they were driving like Lambos or something. 
I don't know. Uh, the second reason to watch it is solely for Dom DeLuise when he turns into Captain Chaos because he <laughs> plays a, a schizoid <laughs> dude with split personality. Uh, and it's just pure anarchy on screen. It's uh, it's dumb, but it's fun. It's I think it's what Fast and the Furious wants to be, uh, but doesn't have the balls to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> so, enough oh, about Oh, by that. the way, guys, I saw the new trailer for Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, yeah right. I was watching these movies. That might be our hurricane heist. I think so. Dude, it looks so incredibly stupid, and it knows how stupid it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second trailer is, is wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. We'll see. Put a pin in it. Yeah. Let's take the pin and put it in this conversation. Speaking of the top five, uh, and number five is Stripes, Bill Murray at the height of his powers. Uh, yeah, one of the best Bill Murrays. The, the army comedy. Uh, I love it. I watch it. It's great. Uh, it's sort of post Caddyshack, pre Ghostbusters. It's that very interesting uh, sort of ascendancy for Bill Murray. And one uh, of those ones it's I've seen so many times, I kind of don't need to see it anymore. But yeah. it is really one of his best films. Yeah, is, is Stripes to blame for Police Academy? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I th- I mean, I think it, it, it sort of be actually. It's the yeah, the and I guess training. it is. Yeah. Segment the yeah, the first the half of Full Metal Jacket version, you know, segment yeah. of Stripes. That's yeah, it's all Police Academy. Okay, so yeah, and I'm going to assume most people listening to this know Stripes, uh, and we can just move on. But it's a solid Bill Murray. It's one of his top five. I would put it uh, definitely. Uh, that's a fact, Jack. That's a fact, Jack. Uh, number four. This is one I've never seen to this day. Arthur. I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli. Which you'll never see played on television because it's a comedy about an alcoholic. And you get to watch a guy fall on his face for like an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. That Uh, made Arthur with Russell Brand a few years back. Yeah, and it It, it didn't go anywhere. It flopped. I think the only thing notable about Arthur is another strong theme song entry for the year yes, Christopher by Christopher Cross. Cross when you get caught how did that one miss we had a whole show on movie theme songs and I <laughs> somehow missed both Chariots of Fire and Arthur's theme well, and I, for your eyes only I think uh, we're probably Boy. due for another uh, it's kind of turning into that episode <laughs> yeah this is, this is sort of our pickup game episode yeah. just whatever so, Arthur, not much else I can say about because I haven't watched it. I know John Gielgud was in it as the snotty butler. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it includes John Gielgud saying the line, do you, do you wish for me to bathe your dick, you little shit? That's, <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's the only line from Arthur I can remember. <laughs> How did I not I watch this movie? I remember being funny. I remember thinking Liza Minnelli was wicked hot. I yeah. really only believe the latter now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so Liza. Uh, number, th- number three... Uh, and this will probably spur another round of convo, but uh, Superman two, also on my list. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, uh, it's hard to watch now. Yeah. But I can see what would happen as this a top three. I mean, this is one of the few that busted the hundred million dollar mark in 1981, which by today's standards is just a huge chunk of change. Here's so, the thing about Superman two. You're right. It is not that good. It does not hold up if you actually watch it. 
but everybody's memory of the experience of Superman 2 yeah. is, I think, how we actually got to where we are with uh, superheroes and superhero movies now. Yeah. My memories of the, the end battle, excuse me, my memories of the end battle in Superman 2 are just epic. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't judge it on effects because they are lacking you know, by comparison, but... I do remember being thrilled at the idea of, wait a minute, I loved Superman. You mean I get to see him in other stuff? How many times are they going to do this? This is awesome. But <laughs> and then we got watching Superman it as a grown-up. It's it's that that whole you know, soul kind sort of machine that just yeah. ruined it. <laughs> well, soul kind's kind of a dick too, because uh, uh, there's a whole uh, union rule now named after him in industry called the Salkine rule and because they did the three musketeers movie and realized that they didn't have time to complete the whole three-hour thing they split it into two in this early 70s and the actors only got paid to make one movie and so they sued and now there's a contract stipulation in every contract where you have to if you're the producer you have to note every single time you're going to make a movie so that it's in there so it's called the Salkine rule fucking dick yeah (laughs) Yeah. I'll Continue. say this about Superman 2. Terrence Stamp as General Zod yeah. is yeah. an all-time movie villain. Yeah. Neil. Great, greatest Before casting Zod. choice ever for a, a superhero movie. So, uh, but we've already done our Superman show, so I don't really know what else we can say about it. Yeah, there's nothing uh, else to say. Go listen I mean, to the Superman show. Neil yeah, Before Superman. Zod. Neil Before hey, Zod. Neil Before uh, Zod. And then the top two, well, we already know Raiders is number one. Uh, but number two, I've forgotten about uh, but I did go, I got dragged to see it by my family, yep. Yep. uh, on Golden Pond, uh, with Henry Fonda's last screen appearance, <laughs> Catherine, Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn, Jane Ooh, Fonda, night in shining armor. <laughs> God damn. All I remember is, uh, little Michael McKeon or what's his name? Uh, uh, Doug McKee- McKeon, whatever the kid, uh, just had that line suck face and that stuck somehow. And everybody loved to say, I'm going to go suck face. I mean, it's just, come on. Yeah, so this is one of those movies where it's like, okay, some some giant stars from one back in the day are are it's the swan kind of doing a thing on the way out the door, and yeah. I mean we're watching a bunch of that stuff, you know, nowadays. But <laughs> yeah, boy, they're always gonna make that. Yeah. Everybody's and, got a swan song. Somebody but, dies uh, every year, but you know it's it's a good year for supporting players. Like Dabney Coleman is in this as Jane Fonda's boyfriend, but he was also in uh, the Chevy Chase comedy, quote unquote comedy called Modern Problems. Uh, Dabney the same Coleman year. was in a lot of quote unquote comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the year before this one, he was in Nine to Five as the Dick. I mean, that was his role was the Dick, and then I think uh, what eighty two, eighty three was the Dick in Tootsie. So. It's kind of his thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's just the credit, right? The yeah. Dick. Dabney the Dick Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, the Dick. Uh, that's in his contract. It's the Coleman rule. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but do either of you remember this movie very well? Yeah. I, no, I, I remember I got dragged to see it in a big theater, and I remember it yeah. was marketed to Helen back, which is why I ended up seeing yeah. it. And and so it was like, there's just all this chatter about this movie. It's got to be good. And I watched yeah. it. And I'm like, I'm bored out of <laughs> my fucking <laughs> mind. You know, it's the so only thing that you said, go ahead. I was going to say, the only thing that comes close to this as far as just overrated crap from that year is the number 13 movie, Reds, 
by say Warren it, Beatty. Say it, brother. Yeah, that movie <laughs> sucks. Like, shit. I am so angry at that film every time I think of it. Everybody running around saying how great this movie was, and it's poorly yeah. structured, it's poorly acted, it's poorly directed, it's poorly yeah. written. The only good thing about it are a couple of battle sequences and the way they make the Soviet Union look. Fuck you, yeah. Reds. Every, every yeah. time it's on, Eric starts seeing Reds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did yeah, I so not the, see that joke? I am such a failure. Yeah. So the <laughs> so the prestige movies for this year, uh, I'm not pleased with it all. I think nobody just, cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody <yeah>. cares. <laughs> they're just dumb. You know what I mean? It's just dumb. Uh, but the fact that Chariots of Fire won that speaks volumes to the quality of the. <laughs> the field that year that so. was but that was in the period of time i i always i always mentioned that thing about how the biggest the studio with the most active employees would win best picture because everyone yeah. could vote on best picture yeah that's that was in during that time so they must have had the most people on on payroll <laughs> well true uh so yeah that's that's the top 10 i think most of those are fairly obvious choices for top 10 i mean like four seasons that didn't really sustain uh chariots of fire i don't think it sustained arthur no golden palm but i think all the genre stuff like the comedies and such of that top 10 are still watched today red still which stands I up <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh and then john will mentions disney still cranking them out with fox and the hound i got Dragged to that one too against yeah, my will. <laughs> it's just Todd and Copper, and you get a little weepy because one of them I think dies. That's the one where Tim Burton said, "I'm fucking done with Disney." <laughs> he quit. He was like a an animator on that one, so huh. I guess it worked out. Uh, and then number nineteen was History of the World Part One, which I love. Yeah, little little Mel Brooks action for you, and that's sort of a departure for him because it's just sort of a pastiche of bits that they string together. Which I think is why it's so funny. Yeah, like for my money, uh, you can't beat a musical about the fucking Inquisition. That makes me laugh every time I see it. Every time. The Inquisition. Let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission. To convert the Jews. Though I do wish he had. Yeah, you know, I guess you don't need to make part two. That was, you know, that was I funny. The, I think that's Hitler the conceit. Ice and Jews yeah. in space is really all you need to yeah. know. I think that's the conceit. So yeah, it's a, it's a strong one. Uh, but yeah, and then oh, also the Great Muppet Caper came out that year, mm. which that is to me is the first movie that I sat back-to-back in the theater and watched because uh, I loved it because it's a Muppet movie back-to-back so, back. yeah like, you like watched I, it and then you just stayed there and watched it yeah again, I, I stayed in the theater and watched it again because I loved it that much so huh. uh, good times so yeah but apart from that uh, like I said the rest of the list for the most part is decent there's a lot of human drama but it's the genre stuff that gets me uh yeah my list everything on my list we already mentioned was raiders superman 2 and time bandits yeah uh the only other thing i wanted to call out 
was a trio of movies that I'm pretty sure every male our age has seen scenes from, but not the whole movie. And those were Tarzan the Ape Man, Body Heat, <laughs> and Excalibur. I watched Excalibur. Okay, maybe Excalibur, but yeah, these were like these were like you know, along with a- Eric's fascination with Adrian Barbeau, these were like boob movies that were on cable. Yeah, that, you, know, you maybe should check out. Yeah, yeah, Helen Mirren being all hot. But especially Tarzan the Ape Man was just, right. I mean, come on. That was the John Derrick John, yeah. John Derrick directing his wife. Yeah. Oh, that Tarzan. Okay, I thought yeah, you, oh, yeah. I was with, thinking of uh, Greystoke. Okay, no, I didn't see no, that. No. no, this was the Ape Man with Bo Derrick yeah, and Body the, Heat with Kathleen Turner. Yeah, and, which, you know. So, can I, can, I, can I pull out a couple of my favorites from this year? Yeah, hit me. Go. Porky's. The original Porky's was this year. Porky's was eighty two. Porky's no, was eighty two. It's eighty one. Really? Yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, boobs, there you all go. Right. Well, then we'll skip it. Uh, my dinner with Andre was this year. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you have a lunchbox? That's my favorite joke from Waiting for Guffman. <laughs> it's like what? I have the commemorative Waiting for uh, or, uh, my dinner with Andre lunchbox. <laughs> that's one i think in college every student would whip out to see like oh yeah this is how smart i am and then like yeah. make all of his friends uncomfortable because it's you know a yawn fest yeah. although no uh, i do uh, and i apologize porky's did come out later in the year in november so yeah uh scanners gets an honorable mention uh because you know uh heads blowing up it's goofy to watch once you know the story, because all you can concentrate on is like Michael Ironside uh, making weird faces because he's supposed to be manipulating people with his mind. And then making their heads explode. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I remember that so fucking me up as a kid. I was like, wait yeah. a minute. You mean I could just be walking along, like going about my day and my fucking head will explode? What is life? Yeah. There's the, well, the scene where he's uh, at the end squaring off against his brother, the other scanner, and... Uh, He's trying to kill him, and basically, through the whole course of the mind fight, uh, the brother hero uh, transfers his consciousness into the body of the villain <laughs> before his body bursts into flames, uh, and that's like the trick ending. That always yeah. fucked me up. Always fucked me up. A Cronenberg uh, never never disappoints. That's that's how you can make horror on a low budget in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Uh, Oh, I, I, I want to point out. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of boobies, uh, Blake Edwards' SOB also came out this year, uh, yeah. where Mary Poppins bared her chest. Yeah, that was a dump. That movie was like, <laughs> yeah, you, you kind know, of Victor Victoria sad. SOB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I just cast. want to throw that there. Uh, as there as go. Victor Victoria, but nowhere near yeah. as good. Oh well. uh, no, there's a movie called Harry's War that nobody. I, I think saw or remembers, but it's really prescient for today because it's about a guy who's living with his uh, mom. I think it was his mom. I can't remember that part, but she, her house is just, you know, full of you know people who are living there. Uh, she's, she's boarding and she has declared the place a church to get out of paying taxes. And David Ogden Stiers, the IRS agent, Sort of finds out it's not really a church and shuts her down and harry like boards up the building and gets a bunch of guns and has a standoff with police because the irs is evil 
It's like, <laughs> it's this very libertarian kind of, you know, the state is trying to, you know, own you and they have no right to blah, blah, blah. And it's a comedy. And I, wow. I, I just think I, that's, a, that's one that really should be remade today because there are so many sort of lunatics yeah. who would be into it. Well, it. well, it definitely has the name recognition. I'll give yeah. it that. Yeah, it was not uh, a big... Oh my God! Abel Ferrara's Ms. Forty Five. Oh, that's like one of the best thriller horror movies. So we are officially just reading Wikipedia. Yeah, now. Uh, yeah. I will. Yeah, I will. I, don't know I will say. I'm looking through the list and going, "Oh, I love that." But Ms. Forty Five, a woman in New York. She's uh, uh, she's gang raped in the park. She's she's all fucked up from it. The actress doesn't say a line the entire movie. And ends up dressing up like a nun, uh, a sexy nun uh, with guns and going out into the park, trying to get raped and then murdering gang members. Sounds like a you want to see it now or what? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Thief, which was the directorial debut of Michael Mann uh, with Jimmy Kahn. I, I don't think I saw one. that. Uh and then an honorable mention as well to Nighthawks, the sliced alone uh, actioner with Rutger Hauer as Wolfgar, the international terrorist that he's chasing. And Lando and, Calrissian uh, is his yeah, best friend. Yeah, Billy D's in that one too. So it's uh, <laughs> it's tough. Which is, which is oh, and 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 in the movie they they kill Billy, yeah, the bad guy kills Billy D Williams, and and Stallone starts screaming out into the night, "You're fucking dead! You're fucking dead!" <laughs> and when they played it on ABC, "You're freaking dead! You're freaking dead!" Yeah, you melon farmer. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and then really the only oddball one I wanted to bring up because it's just. I don't understand how it came in at number 40. The thing made like $18 million or something in 81, but another Chevy chase classic called under the rainbow that he did with Carrie Fisher, <laughs> which is a comedy about the dwarves that they used the little people in, uh, wizard of Oz. Yeah. And Chevy I don't chase. Think I ever watched that. Oh, one. good Lord. Billy Barty is in it as like a Nazi little person. He and he just does a lot of nut shots. I mean, it's just does weird fucking it's i don't understand how it got made or why people went and saw it but yeah it's <laughs> it's just again awful. they were throwing pasta at the wall and seeing what yeah. sticked well and the fact that it came in in the top 50 is just that's just amazing to me so ugh. but uh yeah good year uh also uh continental divide belushi kind of softening his edges before he kicked the bucket uh which was also the same year of neighbors that he did with Ackroyd. yeah uh, underrated is, neighbors is underrated uh continental divide is not is not so yeah uh but you know 81 it was a year how many of these do you think you saw that year four two oh, like the in the actual year itself yeah like a couple yeah in the Oof. theater yeah, because we weren't driving yet cable in 83 but in the yeah. actual theater like a handful yeah. Raiders. I think, saw Raiders yeah. in the theater. Saw Superman in the theater. I missed Superman 2 in the theater. Uh, but I definitely saw Raiders. I saw Time Bandits. I saw Clash of the Titans. Saw On Golden Pond in the theater. Yeah. Ugh. So, saw Clash yeah. of the Titans. Saw Breasts for the first time. Went, yes, holy shit, exactly. you can do that? That's exactly. awesome! Yeah. So, 
it was a good year for uh, PG nudity. So thank you, 1981. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what else to add. Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of takes the cake for everything still for me. But whatever. Uh, Have we actually done like an Indiana Jones show? No, we haven't. I was thinking about that as we prepped. We're going to need well. to go there, I think. Yeah. Put a so, pin in it, Chris. Put a pin in it. Wait a second. What's that <laughs> behind your ear? Is that a... Yes, it is. It's a pin. Any last words? Put a pin in it. <laughs> Let's do the outro. Uh, you can email us at magnificentlyhugeatgmail.com. Uh, tell us what we got wrong or what we got right or what we missed or what we didn't. And if you're a young person who uses the socials, you don't know what we were talking about. But you can find <laughs> us at MagHuge on Twitter, Magnificently Huge on Facebook, and yeah, pretty much just Magnificently Huge on any of the networks you'd run a search on. Yeah. Instagram, I think, is another big one. Yeah, we're there. Uh, pretty much any podcast uh, outlet will be available to you to find our show. At least the free ones. Uh, if memory serving correctly. And that means iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc., uh, etc. Et and then uh, there's always our website. Did you guys know we had a website? What? MagHuge. Yeah, com, where we put new shows and old shows and other stuff uh, weekly. So Damn, dude. Go there. You blend them together and they make baby <laughs> shows. <laughs> like scorpions. Little fucking scorpions. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks for stopping by. 81. It was a year. Uh, we got a couple left for the uh, decade. And then uh, we'll have to figure something new. A for effort. Yay! Yay!